0: Welcome Radio Entrepreneurs, listeners, and fans. I'm producer Nathan Gobes, and I'm excited to introduce you all to the fourth Family Business Panel Discussion. In this Family Business and Trusts-related winter 2021 edition of the panel discussion, we will be covering topics related to trusts that own and operate a family business, and when is the right time for a family business to sell. This episode is part one of three, and all of these discussions are intended to be highly relevant to family businesses, but also entrepreneurs of all types, so be sure to follow Radio Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or any of the many other platforms we stream on to catch the other segments as they go live. But before we get into the discussion, allow me to introduce our panelists. Of course, we have our regularly, regularly returning panelist, Stephen Wilchins, a founding partner and attorney at Wilchins, Cosentino, and Novins, with over 42 years of experience serving the businesses and estate planning needs of families, individuals, and owners of large, closely held businesses. Stephen has also co founded several businesses himself and serves on seven privately held boards in several diverse industries. Welcome, Stephen. Next, I'm excited to introduce Bob Rosenfield. Bob is a founder and managing director of Cape Vista Capital. Cape Vista is a family office investment entity focused on renewable energy, sustainability, and broadening availability of housing, healthcare, and healthy food supply chain. Prior to Cape Vista, he was CEO of True Road Holdings and JN Phillips Auto Glass, guiding the company's growth from an eight store local business to become the second largest company in the $4 billion US Auto Glass Repair replacement and claims service market. That business was acquired by the number one industry participant Safe Flight Auto Glass, in August 2019.
1: Welcome, Bob. Thank you.
0: I'm also excited to introduce a pair of guests from Northern Trust Corporation. Joining us is Dale Sands, Director of Business Advisory at Northern Trust, and Chris Perry, President of Wealth Management and Senior Managing Director at Northern Trust. Dale has more than 20 years of experience in investment banking He has advised on hundreds of public and private debt and equity offerings, merger, acquisition, and divestiture transactions, and and general corporate advisory assignments for both public and private companies in the U.S. and abroad. Chris spent eight years in private practice as trusts and estate lawyer prior to joining Northern Trust in 2006. Since then, he has helped substantial clients develop creative solutions to their complex wealth planning needs. Welcome, Dale and Chris. Thank of course, you. we need also need to give a shout out to longtime supporter and regular FBA panelist Rich Hershon of Gray, Gray and Gray CPAs. Even though he couldn't join us this morning, we always appreciate Gray, Gray and Gray's continued support. And then finally, I would like to introduce the panel's moderator, Radio Entrepreneurs host, and CEO of Mage LLC, Jeffrey Davis. Welcome, Jeffrey, and I will now hand the conversation over to you.
2: Thank you very much, Nathan, and welcome everyone to the Family Business Association and Radio Entrepreneurs uh, Panel. Uh, I appreciate all of you attending. These are very important topics and very important times. Uh, I want to start off uh, with, an, uh, with a question. How does a family work best to balance the interests of the business and the family? This seems to be an ongoing topic for all families in terms of staying objective. Does anybody want to take that one first?
1: No? Yeah, I'll be happy to jump in. You know, 30, 33 years, 35 years cumulatively in a family business in several different incarnations. Uh, I I really think that uh, a family business needs to be forthright with each participant about their uh, role in the organization if there is to be a role in the organization. Let me put it another way. Uh, When I entered the family business, I tried to influence our family members, not to think of it as a family business because that would be a disadvantage. Uh, uh, In terms of roles, responsibilities, functions, Everyone was an employee of the company and had to perform to the standard set. And so clarity, honesty, kind of the hard conversations need to happen early and often. Otherwise, things get baked in that are dysfunctional.
2: Let me just add a little bit to what Bob said before anybody else wants to respond. You know, it's funny, a term that's in the dictionary, I'd never heard it before before in a practical sense, until Bob Rosenfield had said it to me and other advisors, and he was determined, he said, to run his business as a meritocracy. And uh, I hadn't heard that before from a family business member, but it received a lot of dissonance (laughs) from the family, the whole concept of meritocracy in a family business. So I don't know if anybody else... uh, would like to address that that, that topic Does anybody else want to address it before i move on
3: oh, i'll say i'll say something good steve okay so i think it's in conflict i think the family business and and the family are in conflict and i think that what bob said resonates well and i think that People have to understand that in order to make a successful family business, they have to be objective and they have to basically remove their family feelings and ties and actually put themselves into the family, uh, into the business side. And then when they're having gatherings, move into the family side. I think that's a very difficult challenge, but I think that's why for the most part, most family businesses... Um, don't succeed to the extent they could because there's a lot of bad feelings about uh, jealousy, and you know he he or she has taken this position and he's not qualified. So I think it's a it's you have to really work at it and and educate the family members to make sure that they all understand that that's the that's the bar. If we're educated and that's what we're striving to do, then we all need to be, uh, go through that process together.
2: Well, I, I'm going to go on to the next question. Uh, in terms of outside uh, board members, I'm wondering if people feel that in a closely held family business, how useful and how they can be used to be useful outside advisors can be in a family business. Does anyone want to take that first?
1: I'm happy to jump in again, I think from my experience, my observation, it's it's important for a board member uh, to understand going in, are they there to, I don't know, help a family member influence process to get what they want, or are they there to help the business strategically position for success. You know, in some family businesses, the actual selection of board members just is another manifestation of family conflict. And you end up, instead of having a board that's helpful, you have a board that reinforces the problems in the divisions. So uh, I think the way a privately held company Can be successful is to make sure they have a board that understands the CEO job. It's lonely at the top. It's hard to go places to get good advice sometimes. Can't uh, um, always um, just shoot the breeze with your executive team. And uh, strategic challenges for a family business are so important because. Sometimes kind of the status quo desire of family members to, oh, why do we need to change? Let's keep everything the way it is. What's what's wrong? There's nothing wrong. Everything's good. Everything's great. Look at last year's numbers. No, the world moves too fast. Uh, a board is great if they understand that they're focused on strategic initiatives and to take away the Uh, firefighting exigencies in front of the CEO for even if it's two hours a month, you know, you're going to meet payroll on Friday, don't worry. But you know, what are the what do we do to grow our business to keep our customers our customers and to um, have competitive advantage. So if you can, if you can engineer that boards are great for closely held companies. Yeah, I'll jump in, and and Jeff,
4: thanks. Thanks for the question. It's a, it's a good one. Um, From the standpoint of the trustee, uh, you know, we find that if you're laser focused on shareholder value, uh, you're going to think to yourself about how um, whether it's a board can be helpful to try and bring um, new perspective uh, to the situation, um, and. And you're going to, you know, th- that's a, a situation where a board uh, can be very, you know, can can be a helpful, um, as Bob was suggesting, kind of, you know, either reality check or somebody who's who's really looking to make sure that that um, the the business is doing the best that it can. Uh, what you don't want is somebody on the board who's just going to essentially kind of uh, placate to the wishes of the family. If um, the best interests of the business are not being served with that strategy, so um, one the the, the 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 you know the kind of follow-on question that we often deal with is how you know how do, how much do you pay a board member and what is their compensation that's involved and um, our experience is you often get what you pay for uh, so a really good board member can be um, somebody who uh, you may want to pay um, so I'll I'll leave it with that but um, those are some thoughts.
2: Well, you know, one of the problems that I've seen with families, and I'll I'll get to you, Steve, I'll just add to it, is that, you know, where, let's say a member of the family has had control for a generation, and then they have a family sort of coming in, there's this sense of loss of control, and they tend to pick, let's say, friends, uh, their personal attorney, uh, their personal, uh, you know, the personal accountant, and they go, that's my board and you know so i you know at times i think that that can add also to the conflict of not really having an independent so steve i'll uh, i'm probably adding a little kerosene to your argument no no
3: sorry i th- i think a lot of time needs to be spent on who what's the makeup of my board and who should play that role and why and i think we have to be very careful if we do select trustees which Um, that are serving on the board as well we have to understand the conflicts and and who they really represent because your standard is different I mean the trustee standard you know the fiduciary standard versus the business judgment standard is way different when when dealing with boards so I think there needs to be a clear path of understanding the makeup of the board
2: All right, so let me go on to my next question. So let's add that the, the, the trustee uh, element to all of this. How complex is it for a family to add a trustee to the family business? This is something that uh, maybe Steve, you know a lot about that. Bob, I don't know if you had a trustee, but uh, Steve, can I go to you first on that one? Sure, I mean, the first thing, and you
3: know, Chris and Dale have a lot of experience on this as well, but certainly the standard of care is differently. And so when you serve as a trustee of a trust, is, do you, does the trust own shares? Because there are really three broad, different uh, types of situations. One is called a directed trustee, where you're dealing in a different jurisdiction like Delaware, where the trustee, um, where the business is directed by a separate trustee. The second one is more like a co-trustee, which is working with the trustee and serves only on the business interest. And the third is basically that the trustee delegates that responsibility to uh, someone to run the business. But you have to be careful on each structure and what the purpose is of that trustee and, and who do they represent and who are the beneficiaries of the trusts very important. And does the trustee own an interest in the company itself? So if you had a major shareholder that was a trustee running on the board, that's going to create a lot of conflict and issues that need to be wrestled with.
2: Dale um, or Chris, did you want to jump
4: in on yeah, this I'm, one? I, I, I think it's important to, to note that um, it doesn't have to be complex per se. Steve has raised excellent Kind of uh, role clarity questions regarding the standards that apply to a trustee. Um, the real key is that the trustee has some un- understanding of what the business does and how to uh, you know how it's run. Um, our experience with our clients is that if we understand the business well, if we're involved early, if we have an opportunity to to um, really understand the business and uh, and work with the family. Um, it's not necessarily complex. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a challenging role, you're balancing many interests, um, but it's, uh, I don't think it needs to be complex, no.
2: Uh, I wanna move on to the uh, our last question of this segment. If a family business is held in a trust, can a, uh, can a family member who is more involved in the management of the business receive different compensation or equity as an active family member. I think this is a very interesting conversation, especially around the equity because and compensation. There seems to always be some debate in every family business I've ever experienced around this. What's fair?
1: Sure, I'll, I'll take the first stab at this. So of course the governing documents would would, would rule here, but it is certainly appropriate for management team members or some family members that are in the business to receive outsized compensation uh, for their roles within the business. Um, Of course, it needs to be reviewed carefully by the trustees to make sure that it's fair uh, and appropriate in that market environment, but certainly there can be outsized compensation for those participating management team members.
2: Anybody else uh, wanna address that, that issue? Uh, I know for me i've experienced it in many many organizations um Bob i know you i think you had a, you got you had more than a trustee involved in your business, but compensation was always an issue, just like we've seen in in a lot of family businesses
1: yeah, I think everyone's raised really good points about trustees in family businesses so i'd say a couple things uh well one. The meritocracy comment probably speaks for itself relative to compensation. Some things a family member can try to do if there's a board is uh, maybe short of having a compensation committee, have a regular compensation discussion and uh, specific goals for the senior management team, like kind of a core function of a board and something around which in the board setting, you can't really have an objection other than a you know familial based uh, issue. Um, but my experience with trustees in some ways was, um, it, it was always with a minority shareholder uh, to qualify it. And in some ways it was very good because it was not a family member. Sometimes conversations with family members have uh, baggage You don't know where the other side's coming from. With a trustee, it's clear. So there's a fiduciary responsibility there. And so I tried to spend a little extra time walking in that trustee's shoes, so to speak, because sometimes I would have to ask for something that I know was gonna mm, challenge their, not challenge, ask them to make decisions around, you know, capital preservation versus growth. Uh, fortunately for me, we didn't have a ton of crises during that period that I had to go and, and ask for a lot of stuff, but, you know, asking for capital to flow out of a trust into the company for a capital event, you know, that's, that's a big deal. So I probably had to do a little extra homework I understood it couldn't like, you know, go have a beer and just say, okay, fine. What the heck doesn't work that way, but that's okay. At least, you know, the road you're driving on.
3: Bob, how did you deal with the issues of a trustee who wanted to increase the distributions versus increasing compensation for management or yourself? Great question.
1: Um, I did two th- I would do two things. I would, oh, without getting carried away, um, well, let me back up. Uh, I went to them and said, hey, how about if we think about this as shared gain? We're more like a general partnership, limited partnership. So the shareholders would get the first X dollars of profit from the company and over that it'll be split between the management team and the executive and uh and the shareholders so we have an alignment of goals here and gee the shareholders are getting the the lion's share they're getting the first x dollars but also like i think it was 70 percent of everything over that and the management team got 30. so no one was wondering what their paycheck, if you will, was going to look like. So we were fortunate to kind of build an alignment on that. And I would say that model was in place for six, eight, ten 10 years. And it kind of put to bed What had happened previously was, oh, the end of the year, let's all get together. we got to figure out what the bonuses are going to be. And there's a lot of tension around that meeting. It's getting to be close to the holidays. Everybody's dealing with a massive uncertainty and, you know, jockeying for position. That was terrible. So we designed a system where everybody knew what, was coming their way. They could look at the monthly financials and kind of calculate their take. And it seemed to take the edge off. Very good. Predictability. Nathan?
0: Yeah. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. That was a very interesting conversation with some highly useful uh, topics related to trusts and boards in this first part. That wraps up part one of this December edition of the FBA Family Business Panel discussion. Thank you to all our listeners and viewers who have tuned in for this new segment on radio entrepreneurs. Links will be provided in the video's description below to parts two and three of the discussion to hear more on these topics. So be sure to check out those links and click subscribe just below the video if you're on YouTube or follow if you're listening on one of our podcast platforms to stay up to date on all of our postings as they go live. If you're a fan of these videos, please be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, press the bell button, all of those things help immensely. Radio Entrepreneurs is also highly active on LinkedIn, so be sure to go follow our page there as well for more business advice and discussions. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. We'll be back with more stories on Radio Entrepreneurs.